This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm your host Mike and I'm joined by Cara and Chris as we dissect the sixth goal away day thriller that saw my Swansea PTSD well and truly triggered and Palace get a fighting point against the resurgent Burnley. Right, morning, afternoon and evening to you one and all. Hambo is not with us this week. He has just moved house and he's doing some decorating and that kind of fun stuff. So you're stuck with us, I'm afraid. You're stuck with Cara, Chris and myself. You two drove up to Burnley yesterday. Before you give us any spoilers about the game, tell us about the drive. Tell us about the getting home at half past midnight, Cara. <laughs> tell us about the fact that you couldn't fit in the other car so you had to drive yourself. And tell us about these sweets that everyone seems to love you for. <laughs> Wow, what an intro. Um, yeah, no, so we did the drive. There were too many of us to go in one car, so um, we split. So uh, Chris, um, Eskiff and I went in my car, um, and DR had uh, Nick and uh, Nick's son, Will. So, um, yeah, we were we were a little a little uh, two-car combo. Um, the drive-up was actually fine. I was really nervous about it because I'd heard all these stories about getting there late, and I was like, I cannot take the anxiety of that happening. So um, I made Chris and uh, Eskif leave quite early. But it was fine, wasn't it, Chris? It wasn't too, wasn't too bad. Yeah, not too onerous at all. I mean, obviously, you were, you were a very good host, Cara. And <laughs> to be really clear, I mean... You did the driving. I, I, there was absolutely no one. Neither I nor Eskif have driving licenses. Um, and while Eskif was very, very good and was on coffee and water, I wasn't very good. So if I had had a license, I wouldn't have been able to drive anyway. Um, but it, it was a decent journey. We got there comfortably in time, um, comfortably enough to get to the cricket club, the famous Burnley Cricket Club, um, but not to get a decent beer because you couldn't really get inside, uh, which was a bit of a shame. So I, I had a terrible pint of Tetley's outside. Oh, I was going <laughs> to ask whether they've upped the, um, the Jimmy Anderson memorabilia in there since, since the last time I was there. I presume it's just like wall-to-wall Jimmy these days. Um, <laughs> But I, I'm just going to give you a quick. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you a quick update on my weekend. So I had the kids; couldn't go up there. Um, watched the game with a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. But more than that, my seven-year-old son is obsessed with Squid Game at the moment, and I'd forgotten what that was. It's that um, Korean horror thing that everyone loved for about a week. 
Um, and when those things get really popular, I deliberately don't watch them. But yeah, it, he seems to have got obsessed with it and was singing the song that the little doll sings in it the entire weekend, including all the way through the Palace game. And I thought, have I been a bad parent here? And somehow he's got hold of some horror. Um, but I took them to the playground on Friday after school time. And every one of the kids in the swings area was playing this this game that they play in Squid Game before they get killed. So clearly, clearly something has happened in the Matrix where this 18-rated horror has infiltrated itself to five, six and seven-year-olds. Uh, so a weird weekend for me, uh, weird weekend. Um, but yes, probably slightly different from yours. But let's get on to some Palace news this week. Right, there's a lot of news from the Palace women. We can start, there's three games in a week, which is unheard of. They're, they're lucky to get three games in a month usually. It just annoys me that they don't play enough. So three in a week, incredible. Let's start with the 3-2 win against Charlton at home. Because Cara, you were there, weren't you? So give us, yeah. give us, the, give us the lay down. Yeah, it was really good. So I took my nephew, Toby, and it was his first um, first ever Palace match. So um, I was really emotional. He didn't really care that it was his first Palace match, but he was excited to to go. Um, particularly excited, obviously, because my mum is a Charlton fan, so he wanted to have the bragging rights over his granny, um, which I will not give spoilers away now. I'll tell you that at the end. I mean, I mean he's, he's got that anyway, hasn't he, really? Considering yeah. every, everything about Charlton Athletic, but... Yeah, carry on. It's very true. No, that that is that is very true. But he just wanted the opportunity to be able to go home and say, uh, in your face, which is, I think, the phrase he used in the video that we sent to her afterwards um, that he really enjoyed. But anyway, um, no, it was really good. It was such a nice uh, like atmosphere there, like really welcoming. I'd, I'd not been there before, um, so I didn't really know like where to go, how it all worked, all that kind of stuff. But everyone was like super helpful. Loads of kids, which was lovely. Loads of families, but really nice mix of kind of groups of mates and stuff. So just as a kind of general like experience of a day out was absolutely brilliant um really nice touch they give posters to the kids on the way in um with uh like all info about the um the squad which was great because that meant that toby was checking who everybody was um, throughout the match and stuff and made it quite interactive for him which is uh yeah really good um the game was really exciting really really exciting a little bit stressful towards the end but but really good um palace were completely solid in the first half um which was great for us because we were behind Palace's goal. So it was uh, really, really nice to see some of those kind of tasty challenges up close. Um, and we went into half time 2 0 up, uh, goals from Millie Farrow and Kirsty Barton. Um, second half, definitely a bit more challenging. Charlton came up like really, really, really um, uh, kind of hungry to get back into the game and, and, and not lose those points. Um, they did get a goal back around the 70 minute mark, um, but then Palace made it 3 1, another Millie Farrow goal, um, and then Charlton scored in the 88th minute just to give us all a bit of a heart attack for the last ten uh, last couple of minutes of the game um but Palace did see out the the game and it was it was great the the players were absolutely buzzing afterwards um you could definitely see that a lot of hard work is going into uh, them grinding out those results at the moment um and yeah they were kind of staying for ages on the pitch afterwards to celebrate um and it was just a brilliant atmosphere all day really so definitely keen to get back in and see some more Let's hope they play a few more at Selhurst as well. That's good. Yeah, that's great. And then in midweek, they did lose 3-1 um, against Reading in, in the WSL Cup in the uh, in the Hambo Derby. Doesn't doesn't bode well for, for, for getting through that. So they're in Group D. It, I mean, they've got two points from two games. 
Bristol City have got have got maximum points in Reading now. We've obviously got the three for the win. Um, it's possible to still go through, obviously, but um, I think it's going to be tough. But then looking back to the league today on the day of recording, Palace beat Blackburn two one away. Bianca Baptiste and then Sophie McLean, uh, and then and then Blackburn got one back late on. But you know they're up to third at the moment. Imagine, imagine if Palace were in the WSL next year on TV, on on BBC, on terrestrial TV, not not just Sky. That would be absolutely amazing, would it not, Coa? It would be sensational, a thing of absolute dreams. Just to go back on the Reading one, uh, the Reading game uh, midweek, we actually played against Ian Dowie's niece, Natasha Dowie, um, which I kind of just enjoyed the fact that that was happening, but didn't enjoy it when we lost to them. But um, yeah, no, to, to see more mainstream TV would be absolute dream come true. I've just got this kind of this vision of, of a young Ian Dowie. Um, yeah, it's not as <laughs> horrific. horrific is, that, is that a good vision, Mike, or one you'd rather not have had? Uh, it's, not, no, it's, it's, not, it's not a nice one, is it? It's not a nice one, that knows. Um, let's, let's move on, shall we? The under-23 is absolutely still on fire. A 3-0 away victory against Liverpool. The only disappointing thing was it was the same time as the, as the, um, as the first team were playing, so... Didn't get to see it live on the Palace player, but um, dominated throughout. Scott Banks opened the scoring early on, one nil up at half time, and and, and three nil at the end. Nia Kirby scoring a third. Banks with a brace. I mean, absolutely excellent stuff. That they're, they're, they're flying. Um, I can't believe that they're. St- I think they're still sixth in the league. Um, deserve m- much more at the moment. They they're playing really well. Um, it's 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 really encouraging to see, and it just shows again, like we say every week, that the um, the academy changes and the upgrades has, has done so much in such a quick amount of time. Same with the under twenty threes, a fighting point against Fulham under eighteens, and we all know how good they are after last season. So they're sitting sixth in the league as well. Um, you know, it's, it's it's good times for Palace all round. Uh, but I, I think the only other point to, to make for this week is that today on the website, uh, the Palace uh, admins put up that the uh, the former captain, John Sewell, died, um, captain the team back in the 60s. None of us, unfortunately, old enough to remember that, but he died age 85 after suffering with dementia. So our older listeners, I'm sure some of them will remember him. And if you've got any stories you want to share, we can put them on the next episode. That's Palace this week. Let's get on to the Burnley game, shall we? Okay. So let's start off with uh, with you, Chris. Tell us, uh, I mean, the, the, the Macca thing had been doing, Macca being injured had been doing the rumours on Twitter, um, we'd, we'd posted something about it, you know, who would you select if if Macca isn't fit? And then, strangely, a load of people said, well, you know, nobody said that he's actually injured, only a few random Twitter accounts and, and people were retweeting us and saying how wrong we were and stuff. They all seemed to delete their tweets and go quiet. Um, he was indeed indeed injured um, and he's a big old miss. So um, what, what, what did you think about... Vieira's uh, attempt to sort of fill the, fill the gap that he uh, he left behind. Well, I think it was it was the right decision to to start with the obvious thing. You know, everyone was saying, "Oh dear, we've lost Jimmy," but at least Eze is going to be back. I mean, it would have been absolute madness to um, put him in 
from the start in such a situation, especially, I mean, yes, they're, they're, they're not quite like for like, of course, because, um, you know, MacArthur is, is that bit more physical, I think it's fair to say. Um, but Burnley are famously um, an agricultural team in terms of the way they approach. They would have been very physical on someone on their first game back from an injury. It would have been madness to put Eze in. Kiate is the obvious person to put in. And I think, you know, to be honest, while there were shortcomings with what happened in the game, and we'll talk about that in more uh, at greater length. I think Ayu was the right pick because he was he's you know obviously very physical. You know people want Elise, but uh, and I get that. But um, Ayu is good at that kind of physical stuff and the and make and drawing the fouls and turning back and all of those things that he does. So I, th- I thought it was frankly the right pick. And having Kiate, he's got that physical side to his game. Um, you know, and Luca had a blinder as we'll talk about. I mean, let's talk about it now. Uh, Vieira picked out Luca as one of his couple of players. They gave special mention by name in the post-match. Um, my question would have been, did Cuarte and Luca perhaps not screen the defence quite as well as, as Maka usually does? So, so talk us through how it was in the ground. Um, start with you, Cara. How, how were those two in midfield? Um, I don't know if they were... Any surprises, really? I think they they did what we expected them to. Luca, as we said, had a had a great game. I just think the the way that we were set up and the way that the the game then panned out, I think backs this up. Is that they were, they just have more qualities kind of uh, on how we want to move move forward in the game than they do necessarily screening that defense. And I think it's just a, a, a bit of a kind of balancing act, isn't it, in terms of. Um, how well we ended up pressing forward and, you, and you've just got to kind of take what happened at the back, um, which is incredibly frustrating. I, I don't think they did. I think Luke had a great game, as, as Chris already mentioned. I, I'm not sure that the kind of link up between them was anything less than expected or anything more, if that's fair to say. Okay. Well, uh, j- just before we get on, Chris has got some stats on Luca. Um Talk Sport today played a played a sample of physical by Olivia Newton John. And um the fact that Chris just used the word physical about six times, that's all I can think of now. I'm just I've got that song going round and round my head and it's fucking terrible. <laughs> <clears throat> and and there goes the um, parental advisory uh label for this week. Um so uh yeah, I mean the the only thing was that I, I watched the obviously I was watched the game in the ground and you can never quite tell whether your impressions of how someone's playing will be reflected by the numbers. But in this case, you know, when I checked, uh, Luca, you know, there is there is a clear difference in his in his pass completion rate and or successful pass completion rate in this game compared to all the previous appearances that he's made this season. Um so I won't uh read every single one of them out but let's just say that the oh, lowest you, you, you should you know that you know that Patrick and Hambo would read them all out then read them all out again and then dissect him <laughs> okay well I'll tell you what I, I will do a kind of mini version of that so he's only played six games so against Tottenham his pass completion rate was 90.9 against Brighton it was 87.5 against Leicester it was 83.1 against Arsenal it was 83.7 and then you see the increase in form Newcastle, it was 90%. And Burnley, it was a stonking 93.9%, which is, you know, his best this season. And that was that was how it looked from, you know, watching it in the ground. So, you know, it was pleasing to see that, you know, my judgment was right on this one occasion. I'll take that. Although other, 
the other thing I will say is that according to whoscored.com, which is where I'm getting these stats from, uh, Luca had a less good game than Kiate because Luca got was 6.62 was his rating uh, and Kiate's was 6.71. So it just goes to show that numbers don't prove everything. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just uh, choking on a Moretti that went down the wrong way. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I can agree with that. I think I think Luca was was excellent. Uh, for him to have a lower score than Kuate, we've often we've often wondered where some of the uh, the average scores come from. Who scored? But you know, he might do something amazing that takes his average up, um, and then it, it, everything else is, is is average. But he ends up with a really high score. The only person that's consistently been up there in the in the top ten players of the week each week for us, um, compared with the rest of the Premier League, is Conor Gallagher who I thought had a, a very good game, but one of his quieter ones, which probably shows quite how high the bar is for him. So before we get on to negatives, because obviously a lot of people want us to discuss the negatives, let's discuss the positives. The man of the match on whoscored.com and probably everywhere else that did a man of the match, Christian Benteke, post-match interview, standard understated. He's a cool character. He was... Absolutely everywhere and excellent. He was the only person really winning headers in defence. The the first goal, okay, it took a deflection, but it was amazing. Okay, he missed a header that probably should have gone in, but you know he, he got nine point whatever it was on who scored, and there's good reason for that. How good was he from from sitting there in the ground? I loved him. And this is coming from somebody who hasn't always loved him, to say the least. Um, I think, do you know, the, the most notable, apart from the goals, obviously, but the most noticeable thing for me is how his work rate is absolutely incredible, but in a, in a really kind of clear way. Like, he looks like he really knows what job he's on there, to, he's on the pitch to do off the ball now. And I think that's maybe what's been missing from my point of view um, when he was playing in previous for us in previous seasons. Um and he just looks really focused. He obviously is is like his confidence is absolutely through the roof. Um, and Vieira mentioned him in the uh, post match presser as well, saying that he was particularly pleased with the the kind of work that um, Benteke is now doing, like for the team as well as just kind of looking for those individual goals. So I think that's the the really noticeable difference when you're when you're watching him for the whole game rather than just kind of seeing the goals. Um, he's making a huge impact everywhere else as as well as on the score sheet. I think. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I think he wouldn't be the defensive powerhouse he is without Roy having instilled that into him. I don't I don't think that's in Vieira's managerial um, tactics. You know, get him to stand on a post, but for him to be probably the best d- defensive striker I've ever seen, um, it it doesn't come overnight. So it's interesting that what he's added is off the ball play. Up at the other end. That that is that's. Are you saying that he's he's learnt from Eduardo and Vieira and he's finding the right spaces or? or... Well, I, I wonder if he's just been been given more direction with what to do there. You know, like obviously we don't know because I've got no idea what what the different managers have been telling him to do. But to me, it almost looks as if the directions he's been given, as well as like when you go back, this is what you do, and when you go forward, you try and score goals. It's like there's a lot more direction that seems to be happening in what his job is going forward, as well as scoring goals. Um, and I just think that's a noticeable addition to how the team are playing as a whole, rather than just how Benteke's playing. Chris? 
Yeah, I, th- I think there's a large part of this. Um, I mean, as Kara said, we can't see what's actually happening on the training ground. I mean, if we could, you know, we'd we'd have um, Bielsa's uh, binoculars, wouldn't we? But the the reality is that you know you can see that he is getting more chances in each game, and you know, I mean, maybe he's maybe he's taking the make, maybe he's not. You know, in these games he has, um, but even. You know, I'm looking at things like the the opportunity to equalise where he headed wide. You know, in a previous season, he might not even have been on the wavelength that that cross was going to be coming yeah. in. You yeah, know? great and, point. Great and that point. early shot for the first goal, you know, I mean, that looked like an Edward goal to me. So I do think probably there is a bit of an influence just of having someone else who's a bit more direct there. And he's thinking, hang on, I used to do that. And and obviously he's doing it for the Belgium team as well, which you know is great to see. So long may it continue. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't give a toss about Belgium, but yeah, I get your point. I want to ask something then that uh, occurred to me during the game. Um, I'll ask you both: who has had the best renaissance in the in the Palace team? So I was thinking the options are Joel Ward, Christian Benteke. Possibly to a lesser extent, Maka. Who, who is the real Renaissance man? Has Benteke taken Renaissance to a new level? God, that's really hard to answer. I was going to try and cheat and say Crystal Palace have had the best Renaissance, and then you specifically said players, so that took that uh, cheat answer out. Um, I don't think I don't think we can pick. My, I, I'd say like the biggest difference is definitely Benteke and Ward. Like Maka's doing amazing, but he he wasn't maybe making as many mistakes as those two were previously, so didn't have as far to go. But I don't know if I can pick between the two of them, to be honest, because they're both completely completely vital and probably as much of a shock as, as each other. Well, there's some nails in your arse sitting on the fence there. Chris? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the fence does look very, very comfortable, I have to say. Um, you know, I mean, the problem is, I mean, it, it's such a an artificial choice, isn't it? Because the reality is that both Benteke and Ward are people who are players who people have been writing the palace obituaries for, for a number of years now. Um, you know, in Ward's case, just because, you know, he, he lacked that attacking dimension uh, was too slow. And that, you know, so when he got injured, wan came in and showed that that position can be something different. Um, and in the case of Benteke, you know, at least two miserable years of poor form. Um, I think probably I would have to say that, uh, you know, Ward performing at the level he is, uh, is less surprising, perhaps. Um, so therefore, Benteke has to take the um, the crown for, you know, the biggest change. But both of them have got to sustain it. That, that's the the real key here. And he's probably Benteke is probably going to come under way more competition for that place as well than Ward, I think. So maybe we ask this question again, like in three months' time or something, and see which one of them has has managed to continue it. Probably totally depends on whether Nathan Ferguson ever gets fit. Um, it's easy to forget that he exists, or, or as he's referred to, we we did a show, um, we did an hour long Palace show on BT London the other day. Uh, Hambo, myself, and Nick, and Nick forgot his name and referred to him as Duncan Ferguson. <laughs> um, That's a very different player. Yeah, we were discussing how many games a season Duncan Ferguson would actually play as a right back, and we basically divided it by four, and it would be one red card, then three game suspension, and then one red card. <laughs> um, yeah, 
no, I, I would say Benteke simply because I think it's a great point, Carl, that, you know, Ward's going to be under less, um, he's going to be under less, or it's going to be less competition for him. But more than that, Ward, we've always been acutely aware of his limitations, but there's not been much of his career where we've questioned his defensive abilities. Um, Hambo's often said about his crossing, cross-stopping technique, and I think that's improved, and there's been relationships left, right and centre from small things. But Benteke's gone from basically everyone wanting him gone to you know, stats that are up there with the highest in the Premier League. Um, the, 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 the post-match interview when they were talking about he's got the best record away from home in the, in the league or something this season. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, so it's just in terms of shocking me, I've got to say Ben Teke. Um, but then the difference is Joel Ward's cost 400 grand and he's in his testimonial year. So both of them deserve big hugs and big kisses. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So support for today's match reaction show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champion in the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I like the way that rhymes, by the way. <laughs> Manscaped just launched the fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across the Europe. And, of course, i got one here in America. You heard that right. It's the 4.0. Got to get T1, by the way. Join the over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BOTN. Again, that's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BOTN at manscaped.com. Okay, let's carry on and uh, discuss. Well, uh, before we discuss the negative side of the defence, let's let's talk about Mark Gaye's first senior goal. Now the stat was going round, and I, I, I was, I was suckered into it that it was his first senior goal for any club. He fucking scored for England this week, didn't he? So you know, it, it's not like it's not like it was that long ago to remember. But he it, surely England counts as a senior goal. But anyway, his first senior club goal um, for for any size, um, and it happened to be against Burnley. And I was thinking, we're usually the team where these stats come up. You know, they haven't scored in ten; they've never scored. So I wonder if Burnley fans were slightly annoyed to go 3-2 down to a Mark Gahey goal. But talk us through the reaction in the away end because it was nice and loud on the TV on the totally legal stream I was watching. It was nuts. It was like nothing. Oh, this was my first away game as well, remember? So um, I was experienced being in the minority in the stadium for the first time. And uh, it was... Your first away game? Yeah, ever. Yep. You chose Burnley as your first away game. <laughs> no, it wasn't necessarily the destination that uh, was the appeal more than just uh, how it worked out timing-wise. Um, right. 
but yeah no and so so all of the reactions were just were just mad and like the it coming to at the point that it came off off the kind of uh uh back of that like the rest of that first half I think everyone was just in a little bit of shock like it that time passed so quickly for that first half that it was just nobody really knew what to do with themselves I don't think so the celebrations were like nothing I've I've uh, experienced um in my kind of in the stadium uh celebration so far um and it was just an incredible buzz although I would say that as soon as the celebration stopped I suddenly thought oh my god we've got a whole nother half to play <laughs> like what is gonna happen but no everyone was just just wild yeah I mean it also disrupted my plan to go down and get a beer um, so, but I'd just been looking at the clock thinking, yeah, it's about time if I'm going to beat the queue, um, which proved prescient, as we'll talk about in a second. But um, yeah, it was absolute limbs. And I'm particularly strange for us because we'd got um, Nick and Will, me, uh, DR, Eskif and Kara all in the same row. So, yeah, we effectively had to do kind of um, impromptu hugs in multiple directions and jumping up and down and all of the things that you do. Um, it was, it was, I mean, the other thing I was really surprised inside that ground, it looks massive. And yet actually when, you know, it looks bigger than some of the, some of the grounds that we've been to, but it, I think it uh, might you, be just, you've not, you've not been before. I've been three times, but I don't, I think, I mean, either I was pissed before or more likely it just didn't seem, it didn't have the same impression on me this time. Well, hold on, I've met you. I'm going to say it's probably choice a there to be fair it probably was quite a lot of a um but the other thing about it is that it's got multi-tiered stands on you know at least two sides of the ground other than where we were and yet somehow its capacity is twenty-two thousand. like i say it looks massive and their their fans to be fair made made a big noise i mean after we scored we were singing can you hear the burnley sing um, and when they went two one up, they were very much singing "Can You the Palace Sing." Um, yeah, and the, was, the "Who Are You" from the Burnley fans was um, was brutally loud on the TV. Yeah, no, they they were good. I mean, you have to say credit to them. Um, but yeah, just what were the, what were the celebrations like? Absolutely crazy, and you know, I mean, it was an absolute ding dong of a game. Um, I mean, I think the, the Guardian called it a seesaw. Um, you know, it it was just you couldn't. I mean. People who are listening to this have clearly watched it, so you know what happened. It it was so hard to predict. It was one of those games where you just almost ended up. If it, if we hadn't been emotionally bound up in it, you'd have just been laughing. I hate that phrase, one for the neutrals, but you know it was very very entertaining. From watching it from the TV, I thought it was only the last twenty minutes that Burnley offered that much for the neutral, but they did. I think we were lucky to come away with the point. You know, Guaita, who probably won't get a mention otherwise. Just because he's that solid this season with that save, absolutely saved the point. Um, but before that, it's absolutely they did not deserve to be 2-1 up. And let's get into defending now. Um, let's discuss the issues around that. First of all, was it a red? It's one word answer, Kara. Nope. No, okay. And a one word answer for you, Chris? I mean, I'm going to ask a slightly different question. Was what a red? <laughs> I hope I've answered for the right one, actually. Yeah, let's... The, the, the Anderson the Anderson foul. Was it even a foul? <laughs> right, so I, I was watching it and I was I was on the Palace, uh, the back of the nest Twitter. So I put a quick poll out for 15 minutes saying, should it have been a red card? Yep. 
no or shh, it's cool. Um, so yes was 28%, no was 35% and shh was 37%. So um, basically what you're saying there is about two thirds of people thought yes, it was a penalty and some of the no's were probably just you know, staunchly disagreeing that Palace should ever concede a penalty. On the TV, it was, if if it was the other way around, I'd have been absolutely livid. He was the last man. He pulled him down. To me, it was a red. He did. I, I, I know people have put up stills, but... <laughs> no, he did not. I, the, so the bit I take objection with is the pull him down. He did not pull him down. Yes, his hands were on him, absolutely. But he did not pull him down. And I I, I like to think, and, you know, it, it will be... Uh, justice for somebody if this now happens to us later on in the season and uh, I'll have to then stick to this but I would like to think that if it was the other way around I'd actually be really really pissed off with our player for not just staying on your feet because if he, he he did not need to go down there was no way that he got pulled down um, and if he'd have stayed on his feet one of two options Anderson would have actually then pulled him down or taken him down in some way or he would have been through on goal so why go down there's just absolutely no way that he was pulled down and he wasn't able to stay on his feet there yeah, I mean, that's the usual debate, isn't it? Whether strikers do it because they're bastards or whether they do it because it's the only way that a referee gives them any attention. It's, yeah, standard. I mean, it's but- Burnley. It's Burnley. They are bastards. Um, and yeah. I, I mean, maybe, I mean, did the referee strike you as being any good yesterday? Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I probably used uh, some rude words about him um, as many times as I usually do, if not probably more. Um, do you know what? Uh, on the TV, it came across on the totally legal stream. It, it came across that the Burnley fans were very irate with him. I thought he actually, considering it was a game that involved a lot of tensions, a lot of little petty arguments, a lot of handbags, I thought he dealt with that pretty well. His body language when they went into him, he wasn't taking any shit. Um, I thought he kept people on the pitch that other referees probably wouldn't have done. It's some some of the decisions for fouls are a little bit odd, but keeping his cool and stopping people losing their heads when they were handbags of each other, I thought he, him and him and the assistant referees did a good job. Um, but you know that's just what the cameras show you, so I'm sure you see something totally different in the ground. It was just the number uh, of incidents, the number of free kicks that they seem to be getting. Either we were committing a lot of unnecessary, stupid fouls in positions well, uh, that gave away uh, those free kicks. Absolutely oh. were. And Vieira brought that up in the post-match. Yeah. Um, you know, he was he was asked whether we need to work on corners. And I'll leave that for the, the, the listener feedback because obviously that's the question that's asked. His reply was, more we need to stop giving away stupid free kicks. Now, my argument for that would be, of the eight goals we conceded, sorry, nine goals now we conceded um, from set pieces this season, seven of them were, seven of them were corners. So, um, you know, swings and roundabouts on that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I, I do think there were some silly fouls and they, they, that is one of the things that we need to tighten up on, definitely. Um, right, just a couple more things from the game before we get into some listener feedback. Elise, great again, looked bright as anything. My one question, he's young, um, but he seemed a little bit shy. There was a couple of points where he could have shot. Um, 
and he seemed to want to pass it. Do you think he's a little bit too shy? Because when he came on the pitch, he was our, our shining light, our, our, you know, our, our most likely. And maybe he should just be given a little bit more. People should tell him, you do you. If you, if you, if you, if you think you should shoot, you shoot because you've got the talent. How, how did it seem at the ground? I, I don't. I wouldn't say he was shy. I think I was really impressed. Obviously, everybody was, um, uh, and there was a sense of like every time he got the ball, everybody kind of just held their breath a little bit, just as a kind of like, oh, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And that was really exciting. Um, but I think I was impressed actually that he didn't just manically shoot every time he had a, a shot, uh, every time he had a, a chance. Sorry, because he was really putting thought into kind of what the team was doing and 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 what job he'd been sent on there to do. A couple of times, I think there were like shouts of like shoot, shoot when he got the ball. And when I was looking, I was thinking, but why he's not actually got an angle on goal here? <laughs> like, so I think there's a there's a sense of like get it and just like start firing shots at them to kind of, you know, wake them up a bit and put them on edge. But actually, if that then loses you possession and looking at kind of the way that the rest of the second half went, where we were pushed really quite deep at some points, I think there is a balance to be found of just keeping possession, working around them a little bit, breaking them down and not just panicking and taking a shot every time there's an opportunity to. So I actually kind of think the opposite on that observation. I think he did really well not to feel under pressure to just fire shots off all the time yeah fair enough and we, we absolutely don't know what he was what he was told to do um but yeah again he just seems to have this ability to have this extra space and time and I've never seen a Palace player like it including Zahar just the, the the space and time he has and perhaps I think he's got time to shoot when maybe he doesn't you know it, it from the TV, it's just um, it, it, it's a misleading angle. But Elise, absolutely great. Um, a, a few stats that we'll just go into before we get to listener feedback. I say Benteke on who scored player of the game nine point three. He got um, Elise only got a six point one, which is interesting. Um, Jeffrey Schlupp, did he did he have much, Chris? Well, I mean, he added a potential song. Um, no, I mean seriously. Of course, of course, of course. But seriously, he he was a good option in midfield, and he he had his pace, but he wasn't on long enough to really make a difference. Um, you know, but you know, I mean, it was yeah. I mean, that last patch we were effectively just in uh, defensive mode. It felt to me, you know, and we were holding what we'd got. And you know, as we know, um, you know, Vinny had to keep us in the game late on. So, you know. I'm. I was pleased to see him come on because he added some pace, and we needed needed that at that late stage. But he he was on for too little time really to leave it, make his mark. Yeah, and and Zahar, six point seven. You know, fairly a fairly early yellow card um, after after the the little fight he had. Um, he 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 struggled at times. He looked he looked like he was going to do. Some some pretty special things at others. Scuffed a shot that ended up being a cross that Benteke nearly put in. Um, on a, another day, would have gone straight in. Um, I thought that Burnley had a game plan for him fairly well, and that probably gave Gallagher at least a, a bit more space, as it has done against other teams. Mm. Um, Zahar just doing what he does, or, or do you think it it was one of those games he was a little bit quieter than normal? Well, he was hampered by that 
yellow card um, and there was a point yeah. later on where I was convinced that the ref um, who I thought was a bigoted blind biased Muppet was uh, about to send him off um, but I was delighted to um, you know see Wilf Car- you know stay on the pitch and of course you know there, there was an opportunity for him to volley us into into the lead in the second half and that that would have been that would have changed the game if that had oh, gone in. hell of a hit that hell yeah. of a hit so yeah, I thought it was, I thought he had a, a good game considering. I mean, if if you score three goals, then you know, generally speaking, in in the Palace in recent Palace history, that's a good performance. It's just the unfortunate that we also conceded three. Carl, any final thoughts before we get into listening feedback? Um, no, just on Wilf, I was just going to say, I think I think it's right to say that they had their game plan against him, and Wilf's game plan against teams like that is to rile them up as much as possible, and that opportunity was taken away from him with that early yellow, and I think within those constraints, he did really well. He put his head down, he worked really hard, you know, he did what he did, so I think it would be unfair to say that he didn't um, have a good game. I think just his normal game plan of, of approaching teams like that was, was hampered a little bit, but then he just got on with the job, so um, yeah, all round... Pretty happy, pretty good. Uh, worth the, worth the journey up and back down again, I think. Um, and hopefully next game we won't concede as many. Yeah, well, um, Jimmy Mack will probably be saying that's all because of me. Um, <laughs> Z- Zahar, I, th- I think, was a standard seven out of ten for Zahar um, by his own very very high standards. Right, let's do a few forward reviews before we get into. The questions, and we'll end it after that. So I'll start with one from. Oh Jesus! Shall I start? Shall I start? (laughs) Yeah, you start. Yeah. Okay. So Owen Hazen says, "Why was Edward dropped?" That's how you pronounce that, is it? Yeah. There you go, (laughs) Owen. Thanks. I'll go with I'll go with Greg Jonah. Practice set piece defending. Penny Creed says, "Unbeaten run goes on." Essex Eagle says defending not good enough. Can we can we have Chris read that backwards, please, as it is spelt on the I, th- I honestly thought it was Greek at first. <laughs> <laughs> but for listeners, I've been learning Greek on Duolingo and that really threw me for a second. <laughs> yep. Yeah, definitely the Essex Eagle. John David Taggart. That's a proper name, John. Elise has big future. Vierasaurus says got away with it. Alex Duncan, that was quite exciting. Matt Clegg sunk to their level. Interesting, Matt. Yeah, inter- oh, a bit harsh, but yeah, interesting. <laughs> uh, D- Joe Quinn, it's fine, I guess. Paul Hindshaw, not a bad point. Jamie Payne, need to win headers. Uh, yeah, so apparently uh, Anderson won two headers out of nine. Uh, Patrick O'Connor did his usual excellent work on looking up stats and that, yeah, that is low. David I, H. Kings. Oh, sorry. Sorry, go on, go on you go, you go. David H. Kings says end-to-end carnage. That's Andy. what she said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been rude not to, wouldn't it? Andy Park, unlucky not to win. And Felix Jabison, Luko Yatovic isn't good enough. I think you're referring to the combination of Kuwate and Luka. I think we discussed that. Um, they've, they've, they, they, yeah, we'll, we'll go. We'll discuss it again more. I'm sure if Luka's out for a bit long, if uh, Mac is out for a bit longer. Right, let's get to some questions before we finish up. 
usual usual strategy. I will hit one of you with a, a, a comment from uh, a listener and you just give us a, a very brief summary of your thoughts and then we'll go on to the next one. Start with you, Cara. Louis Tidy at Louis Tidy 05. In fact, exactly what uh, was just mentioned. Was it right to start Luca and Coate at the same time? I, th- I think probably on balance, yes. Um, I think Luca, uh, Luca and Au played really well together um, down one side, and and Kiate, you know, uh, did did his job as well. That sounds really harsh, but didn't mean to sound as harsh as it was. Um, but I think yeah, with with who we had available, then I think yeah, on, on balance, it was probably the right starting lineup. Yeah, I just add that I, I don't know that many other options had really. Um, you yeah. know, as Chris said, Eze certainly wasn't ready to start and it would be a big risk against the bumbling lumps that are Burnley. So exactly. Mark Drew, as ever, solid solid listener. Thanks to you, Mark. Uh, Chris, poor defending and set-piece defending cost us again and we were close to coming away with nil points at the end. Well, yeah, I mean, Mark, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the poor defending um, has been the headline and we've deliberately not emph- not focused on that too much just because it is, you know, we don't want to become a massive moan fest. Um, but, you know, just just analyse it for a minute. Um, it's, I mean, one, I think Vieira said in, in his post-match interview, I'm going to give the full quote if that's okay, Mike. Um, he was asked, he was challenged on, you know, do you think that it's it's the set piece defending that's the problem? And he said, I think it's just about how we concede or we give away those set pieces. When you come to Burnley, you expect to suffer in the air and you have to manage. We have to deal with it. At times, I think we did it well. I don't agree. Uh, I think we need to improve that aspect of the game because in the modern game, set pieces are massively important and we will need to spend more time in training to deal with those set pieces. So that last sentence gives reason for hope I think just a couple of comments on specific incidents um with the um with the uh, the second goal where they go ahead and there's a flick on um but it's the lack of response to that flick on that is the issue there there's no one marking Chris Wood so mm-hmm. you know he's able to um you know tuck it away really straightforwardly um but interestingly when you compare it to the um the Gway goal for us um Burnley had six players, including the goalkeeper, on the line. And yet still, um, after Anderson had um, had his effort and the keeper had saved it, Gray was in a position to um, you know, hit, find a gap between them. So even having players on the line isn't necessarily the solution. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately... The, there's, there's a balance, isn't there? Having having half the team on the line probably means that's why he had a shitload of space. But um... yeah, so the, I mean, the bottom... The, the question that I was asked was, you know, by Mark there, and it's, it's the question is, you know, is it... Well, it was a comment, really. Poor defending. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but, and we've got to work on it and we've got to improve it. I think the other questions will cover some aspects on how we might improve it. Okie dokie. Uh, right, so Andy the Twat, again, uh, oft, often a listener. A great way to get on, make sure you're in every comment section, is to put a swear word in your name. Cara, yeah. set-piece defended again, becoming a real concern. I cringe every time we give away a corner or free kick. Yes, so do I. Um, how do we stop cringing? Well, first of all, I just want to address Andy the Twat's Twitter handle because 
it's Andy the Twat 1992, which suggests there's somebody else that took the handle Andy the Twat before he got it. So I mean, presumably he's Andy, Andy the Twat Jr. And there's an Andy the Twat Senior in his family yeah. as well. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I'll look that up later. Anyway, I uh, might not Google it, actually. That would be weird. Um, but set piece defending. Yeah, I think essentially it's a, and I hate this phrase, so it's really frustrating, but it is a working progress, right? Like the defence we've got at the moment in terms of the, way that we're playing uh we've got players that can move it forward we're a a team that plays really well when the ball's on the floor and we've got that uh not down to a tee but we've got that going really well right and we came up against a team who are the opposite to they're not going to allow us uh to play it on the floor as much as we would like to etc etc and they are going to just pick out that floor as often as they can which is what happens so i i think it's obviously a problem but it's a problem that, like, as Chris read out, like, Vieira is saying that they are working on and they're going to find, like, you know, find ways around it. I don't think it, I don't think we should, like, massively panic off the back of this game because not every team that we come up against is going to be able to exploit that in the way that Burnley are and is going to be able to stop us from getting the ball on the floor as much as Burnley did. Um so, yeah, I mean, I cringed every single time we gave away a corner or a free kick in that game. I was hiding behind my scarf, granted. Um, but I don't think it's going to be like that every game because every game isn't going to be played uh, in the same way um, as it is against Burnley. So as long as we sort it out before we next play Burnley um, or another team that can exploit it, I, I don't think it's going to be like a season decider for us um, because of the benefit that we get from the other stuff that that those defenders can do. So Mark Gahey says in the post-match that he thinks Burnley play in a way that no other team in the Premier League play. And that's quite telling. You don't usually hear comments like that. Mm. More than that, we've gone seven games unbeaten. As, 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 as far as anyone's checked, the longest Premier League unbeaten run that Palace have ever had. So, um, that, I mean, that was just put on Twitter by people yesterday thinking that was probably the case. Somebody write in and say us we're wrong, but um, it does sound about right. And if not, it's fucking close. Right. Uh, Lewis Adam Garcia, long balls over the top. How do you defend them? <laughs> Asking for a friend. Um, I'll tell you that. I, I mean, I, I hadn't really thought about how young our defence actually is. You, you, you still think of Tyreek Mitchell as kind of a, an embryo in football socks, uh, but he's actually 22. Gay, he's younger. Uh, I mean, the, they haven't had that much experience of doing this. He's been, he's been at Chelsea. Nobody just batters long balls against Chelsea and gets anywhere because if they score one, then Chelsea will score four. It'll come. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that that is probably at the moment the one the one issue with Vieira. Um, there's there's a hundred positives and, and a couple of negatives. My worry at the start was it would be a new party. Well, it, it isn't because it's much more solid than that. But um, you know, we've just come we've just come from a, a reign of Roy Hodgson, who is the absolute master of just making sure goals don't go in. So it's going to take a little bit of time, but it'll come, I'm sure. London Eagle at World City, uh, Chris. <laughs> Uh, where can you get a wide-fitting shoe in Burnley? Presumably that means Skechers. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, we I did look around, but um, sadly didn't find anywhere. I mean, I have to say, I mean, Burnley was a pretty depressing place to visit. Uh, I mean, it probably wasn't helped by the weather, um, but the, the grey of the buildings was matched by the grey of the sky throughout our visit. Um, yeah, and I will say that uh, the Tesco opposite where we were parked also didn't have any cold beer, which was an outrage. <laughs> 
Um, but um, I mean, for anyone who uh, didn't listen to the preview podcast, there's a very funny story about Albert um, buying some shoes before going to uh, a Palace match where he was going to be in hospitality and they said, you've got to wear smart shoes. So he went and bought some smart shoes and then only after leaving did he realize that it was a special shop for wide fitting shoes and so he bought them in his normal size but they were like clown shoes on him and he was trying to run the game to get in for the um hospitality so that's that's the reason for that story from london or that question from london eagle we didn't find a shop that sold them unfortunately we did we did probably see quite a lot of clown shoes though just in a human form rather than shoes yeah, fair enough. But um, I mean, I keep hearing um, Jamie Redknapp doing sketches, wide fit adverts. So there probably are, there probably actually are some in Burnley that Albert can get. Um, right, we'll finish with one more comment for you, Cara, from Gary. Gary T. It's been a fantastic start. I don't think we have too much to moan about. Amen, Gary. However, <laughs> what needs to happen defensively? We cannot seem defend- to defend set pieces. Uh, so dissect from that how much of this should be positivity and how much should be a little bit of negativity what kind of percentage are we talking percentage rise i don't see the thing is i tend to be quite positive maybe maybe that will uh, be drummed out of me at some point but um let's say let's say for the whole season i think we're still on about 65 percent positivity just because of how much those players give going forward um and you know it, it a game like Burnley it just comes down to can we score more than we concede rather than a game of trying to keep a clean sheet right but there's going to be lots of other games where we will be able to keep those clean sheets and they'll play a vital role in that so I still think for the whole season we're on about 65% positive if we can work on defending those set pieces then then that will get get up even higher but look if if we had a, a, a um a defense that could do both straight away we would be like a top team winning Europe and all of that stuff. We're not there yet, but we are on our way. So let's give them the opportunity to learn that part of the game. So if you're talking about positivity, I think 65 is a pretty good percentage there. What would your percentage be, Chris? Out of interest. Well, I mean, you know, I'm always a glass glass half full person. So yeah, I'd probably put it around that kind of, let's say 70. Yeah, because I'm similarly positive. Um, I just wanted to come back in on the defensive thing. Um, They'll need to sort it out on the um, training field. But the other thing is that, you know, we have gone through a significant change and this is a new partnership forming in the defence. I mean, two of them are, you know, brand new to the team and brand new to playing together. Um, Yeah, and Tyrick, as you said, is, is not super experienced either, although, you know, he's growing fast with every game. So, what we really need, though, and what we're, we're lacking at the moment is we don't seem to have someone who's commanding and saying, you stand there, you stand there, in the way that someone like Scott Dan or um, Gary Cahill used to do for us. And they're, they're, you know, So that's, that's what we're looking for. Um, and with that tightening of that screw, then that 70% is going to go higher, I hope. Imagine if you use the phrase tightening that screw with Albert on the pod. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna finish with positivity, um, and say on the on the BBC London show that that Hambo Nick and myself did, they asked towards the end of the show they said where 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 would be a good finish for us, and Nick said he'd like to see us finish between fourth and seventh, um, and I was like, what the fuck are you on about fourth? You crack like 
okay, we've lost two, and that's great. We've also only won three. So, you know, plus the fact there's a lot of very good teams in the league. Anyway, shat all over him. And and after we went off air, their producer uh, came on to us and said, I just want to say, she was a Chelsea fan. She, she'd mentioned it beforehand. If you finish fourth, I will get a Conor Gallagher tattoo on my arm. I absolutely <laughs> promise. Oh, so there you go. So there you go. Um, right, we'll end it there. We'll end it there. Um, thanks very much for listening. And thanks to everyone who got in touch. Please keep doing that. Uh, every time we post something, ask them for your comments. We use them all, even if we don't read them out. So thank you very much. Keep them coming. The next preview will be for the preview for it's Villa, isn't it, next weekend? So they'll be back with you uh, the middle of the week. And uh, that'll be probably with you Wednesday night, Thursday. And then keep an eye on YouTube. They are still doing amazing things. I think we're up to something like 2,000 subscribers now when it was about 20 when he started. So um, some of those shows are getting some serious listeners and, and it's good to see. Um, so just follow us on whatever your usual platform is. We're on. Every, are we even on TikTok now? I don't know. Does one of us run... Do you, either of you run the TikTok page? No, even I'm too old for that. I think Albert's running it. Okay, well, um, if, you, if you want to see lots of uh, smutty... Um, carry on style humour then get yourself over to TikTok in that case but otherwise yeah back of the nest Twitter Facebook uh, YouTube whatever Um, and until the next time come on you palace it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.